0: Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Matt and this is a new episode of Automation Untangled and I am joined today with Steven Siciliano. Oh, no. Hi, Steven. How are you? Hi, Matt. Uh, great to talk with you. I'm really excited to chat today. Great. I'm really excited too. Steven is the Corporate Vice President of Power Automate at Microsoft. I'm getting that right, Steven? Uh, yep. I'm Vice President of Power Automate at Microsoft. <laughs> Wonderful. So. You know, I am so interested in everything that's kind of going on with Power Automate, and maybe you can we can kill two birds with one stone here. So I know Power Automate was previously Microsoft Flow. And, you know, so where in this kind of journey of Flow to Power Automate did you get involved?
1: Yeah, so I've been working on uh, what is you know now Power Automate basically since we created the product back in twenty sixteen when we called it Microsoft Flow. Um, so I was part of the team that you know really looked at there was an opportunity for automation to be much more accessible than it had been before, right? Because there had been automation tools that Microsoft has had in the past. You know, we had Windows Workflow Foundation, which is really targeting developers. We had BizTalk um, for integration. And more recently we had Azure Logic Apps, which is kind of a great workflow tool, but it's very still developer centric part of Azure. Um, So, you know, we, we had this idea basically to say, hey, we could actually bring Workflow. We could bring automation, process automation, to anybody who has Office. Really, that was the the goal. So we created Microsoft Flow way back in twenty sixteen, and really have just been growing it since then.
0: Great. And do you consider Power Automate to be a robotic process automation tool, or just something general in the world of automation? I would say both. Uh, so we we used to call
1: Microsoft Flow, and we actually changed to Power Automate uh, for. A couple reasons, but one of the biggest is we actually acquired a company called Soft back in 2020. And Soft is an RPA company. You know they had 15 years of experience building and running um, robotic process automation for customers. So when we acquired Soft we realized that it's really beyond just kind of the general business processes that are running in the cloud. Um, what we could offer as Microsoft uh, with what became Power Automate is this really holistic you know enterprise uh, you know process platform that can you know address any any automation need be it on the desktop with robotic process automation in the cloud with the the cloud flows that we have leveraging ai leveraging process mining all of these pieces together to create a holistic platform
0: awesome you know, and one thing that I always find really interesting with RPA and automation in general is it, it's one of those things that it's a simple concept. We want to automate processes, make people's days easier, save some money, those type of things. but. The more we do it, it always seems to be the more problems we run into. And I know with robotic process automation, there's this concept that when it first started was in this Wild West approach, Mm -hmm. right? Everyone was just kind of automating everything and anything they can get their hands on. So is this some? you know, people really want some kind of governance. We hear that word all the time. People are craving the ability to kind of say from start to finish, we know exactly what's happening you know, with our, our RPA process. What is Microsoft doing about that? You know, that's a, that's a big concern out there. So what's Microsoft's idea of how to solve that issue? Yeah, it's a great point. And
1: organizations are right to be concerned because if you look at a lot of the the low code space that existed before the Power Platform, it was very decentralized. You know, I like to say that probably the most common automation tool today is actually Excel with Excel macros. Right, so that's been around. I don't know, thirty years, and people have been automating inside Excel workbooks since the basically since the beginning of Excel. And the challenge with that is, of course, is completely decentralized. Right, there's no way to understand what's going on across your organization if all of your business processes are in Excel. Uh, another super common place where business processes happen is in email. Right, uh, that's approvals. All types of things are happening in email. So there's already this process that's out there, but it's decentralized. And this has also been true with some of the other RPA vendors that are in the market today, where they started from a point of view of on-premises software that is deployed locally, managed locally, runs inside of a particular department, a particular business, um, but isn't centrally managed and isn't centrally governed. So when we created actually Microsoft Flow back in 2016, we saw that you know, there were all these pitfalls with these kind of uh, disaggregated individual uh, things going on in different departments and different teams on different people's machines. So we built it from the ground up to be centrally managed and centrally governed. And this is the same pattern you actually see with Microsoft 365 today, where people use exchange or SharePoint or, you know, any of the office products. Every single thing that you build in Microsoft 365 you have visibility to, if you're an administrator, to control and to manage. And you can put policies in place that can govern how those things can be used and by whom they can be used. So when you build a flow, for example, inside of Power Automate today, an administrator can set policies of what it can connect to, what it can use, what it can do. And there's monitoring, there's analytics, all of the data about what that flow does, how it runs, where it runs, all that data is accessible to those administrators as well. So they can monitor, manage, make sure that everything that happens in the organization is fully compliant, follows all of the rules that they've set in place um, to to adopt it. So we actually have seen a very significant change um, over the years as people start to realize that it's not automation alone that introduces the governance problem, it's completely decentralized automation that is not cloud native. Once you get to cloud-native automation, inherently it has to be manageable from a central point of view. And that has really, I think, relieved the burden of of IT, in many cases, worrying about what's going on because now they have the visibility, now they have the control with what we offer from Microsoft.
0: Awesome. And it sounds like that will kind of dovetail into a lot of the just general IT issues we hear about like with shadow IT as well, you know, because a lot of these things will just, we're making sure that we have that central that central platform and everybody kind of knows what that process is, which seems to be one of the overarching issues with RPA today. People just aren't really sure what they're supposed to be doing and when they're supposed to be doing it.
1: Yeah. And what we see is a lot of organizations are setting up a center of excellence where they have, you know, it could be a team, a person, you know, just a, a virtual team, but guidance about how people in their organization can be successful with automation and that center of excellence could just be you know, some folks who are particularly interested in the automation space. But that really builds a community inside each organization to learn those best practices, to understand what really works well, where some of the pitfalls are, and to build that common knowledge. Because with Power Automate in particular, and this is true for automation in general, but I think Power Automate really addresses it, it, it truly is accessible to anybody inside an organization. Right? Um, you know, anybody with Windows actually, already has Power Automate on their machine if they have Windows 11 or, or can download it for free if they have Windows 10. Anybody with Office has all of the Cloudflow capabilities that, that are there inside of PowerAutomate.com. So it's it's wildly accessible, um, but where the, the value can often come in is by building a community, people can share the ideas that work and that also in many ways mitigates the concern around shadow IT because there is that community. They do know the best practices. You know, some organizations... You know, what they do is they require some training to happen from the center of excellence before you can even start building you know, flows that connect to certain data sources or certain things. We, in fact, we do that inside of Microsoft where when you first build a flow, we get a, you know, a nice welcome message from our IT department. They notice that that flow has appeared in the environment. They send a welcome message, recommended things to be doing. um, And if I want to connect to data sources beyond kind of that basic set, I can take some additional training, get approval from my manager, get access to an environment where I can connect to those things. So uh, yeah, shadow IT definitely on first blush could be a concern but again a lot of the tools and the capabilities that are built into the platform um really kind of transform that from its it actually helps avoid shadow it by using the power platform
0: and i i agree and i always think the number one way to avoid shadow it is to make sure that the tools that it is providing are very user friendly and are the right tools to begin with. That seems to really be why Shadow IT comes because people are like, "Ah, I don't like the project management software that we have now. So they go out and get their own. But if we know what people need and we put it out there, we won't get to that. And I really like that what you said about Power Automate being available to everybody because that really feeds into this concept of citizen development that we've been hearing you know, for a couple of years now. And I'm curious what you think about it because I think it's a fantastic concept. It's something that I would absolutely love to see. It doesn't seem like it's really globally pervasive yet. So what do you think it's really going to take for citizen development to become this widespread thing where every non-technical user has the ability to automate two hours of their day and get back some of that time themselves without going to an IT team for help?
1: Mm-hmm. I think there are two things. One is it's just a matter of time, right? So as more and more people become aware of it, this community is continuing to grow, right? I mean, it's really growing exponentially at this point. There are people who are aware of it. And as as you know, you have more of your peers who are trying it out and using it, you'll be encouraged to do it yourself. And and you'll just see, you know, very natural growth over time. But I think from a product perspective, One of the big things that we've been focused on recently is really lowering the barrier to entry. So one of the things that we announced late last year is the ability to use natural language to describe what you wanna automate, and then we can automatically generate a workflow for you based on what sentence you type. So I can say, you know, whenever I get an email, um, if the email is marked as high importance, send me a message inside of Teams, if it's not marked as high importance move it to a folder i can literally say those words and then it'll create a workflow for me that does exactly that right so this I mean, this workflow, of course, was possible to build before, right? Mm -hmm. I could go to powerautomate.com and I could find the right trigger, you know, when an email arrives. And then I could find the condition to, you know, check to see its importance. And then in each of those conditions, I could, you know, send a Teams message or move it, right? So you could have, and even building it, but from scratch, it isn't super complicated, Right. But it does require a little bit of analytical thinking, taking a step back, looking at your problem, understanding how you're going to address it. And, you know, maybe it takes a little bit of time to go through some training. You know, we have lots of great courses with what we call Microsoft Learn, for example, where you can go and you can see some video walkthroughs to set this up. So it's not impossible for a citizen developer to do it. But it still takes a little bit of time. I think the transformation that we're seeing with AI, this capability is powered by GPT-3. You, know, you may have heard around about all these generative AI models that are out there that are really you know, driving a lot of excitement, chat, GPT, and all these things. So this is using that exact same technology, but in a way to help people get to automation in just one step, right? Type what I want get an automation return and you know as it stands today is that automation 100 perfect 100 percent of the time no i mean you still probably want to look at what it's doing check to see is it doing what you expect you want to test that out make sure it works um, but over time that's going to get more and more reliable and the ai that actually does that generation is going to get much smarter it's going to you know build things more reliably and you'll be able to do what we call kind of uh, a more conversational approach where you can continue to add, to iterate, to improve your automation just by typing what you want, as opposed to, you know, having to learn the ins and outs of exactly how how your automation works under the covers. Um, so I think that that will really further accelerate just beyond the organic growth that's happening with people learning about it and discovering it. Um, this is going to really, you know, help people get to that next level.
0: Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to that because I I discovered Power Automate a few years ago when I wanted to just, again, the simple idea of just save myself a couple of repetitive tasks that I was doing. And... I felt like you know within Microsoft, you're right. It was very easy for me to do this, but I felt like the rest of the world hadn't necessarily caught up. So one issue that I ran into at the time wasn't necessarily Microsoft related. Was I was working with, I was working for an IT company at the time, a very security focused IT company who had about three email filters, you know, going through. So when I was trying to send automated emails, it was getting caught up somewhere. And I think that's because the rest of the world and a lot of the other things don't really think that that's what how people want things to go. And I think when it takes time for that to come, it'll really be great. And I think a really good example is when we think about even what we're doing right now, we're on a team's call recording this podcast, where if you think about 10 years ago, we wouldn't have been able to do it nearly as clearly as nearly as quickly, just, you know, the world wasn't ready yet. And I really, when, so when you said time, I am really, I hope we can get not as long because I think it needs to happen. I think it's really going to be really amazing when people can just come on, the regular worker can go on, type a few keys and and save themselves an hour of time. It's really going to be amazing.
1: Yeah. And and I don't want to be too much of a downer. But, you know, if we look at the, the current economic situation, you know, organizations are looking at ways to save money. They're looking at ways to be more efficient, to be more productive. So I think there's a lot of attention being focused literally right now on how organizations can can do more with less. And I think automation And if we can really get the citizen automation going more and more, that can help those organizations be more efficient, be more productive, and, you know, get more out of the the limited hours that we all have in the day.
0: Great. You know, and another thought I had, again, I've been in IT for a while. And one thing that I've seen with the history of Microsoft is, you know, Microsoft to me has a history of, of coming to the game a little bit late sometimes, but very quickly catching up. And very quickly, you know, either becoming a a top leader in that market. And I think Power Automate's in that world now. And, you know, I think one of the benefits for, I imagine, for your team is you get to see some of the other mistakes that happened out there, too, and correct those before it gets too late. And one thing that we've seen a lot is people will, in another RPA tool, will go on and they'll create a bot, and they say they save themselves $300,000, and they go like this, and they high-five each other, and then they never think of the maintenance cost or what's happening after that they might not even ever know because it went to a different department to be scheduled and maintained. So where are you guys thinking with Power Automate about how we can ensure that these automations are truly valuable right from the start?
1: Yeah, so there's a couple ways to look at it. One is just what we provide today out of the box with administrators. So they pay attention to uh, or can pay attention to when these flows are built, are they actually being used? are they running? are they you know just encountering errors and, and failing all the time? So all of that visibility is, is really built into the product. The other area that we're actually working on is something called process mining. Uh, and process mining is about looking at you know, the historical things that are happening inside an organization and understanding how all of the different processes, interconnect and what the stages of those processes are, and where time is being spent and where time can potentially be further optimized. So we have today actually an integration with process mining where you can actually look at a flow and it can look at the history of that flow and tell you everything that is done, where the time has been spent, where you know potential bottlenecks are in that process. And you can use that as a benchmark to understand, am I really improving this end-to-end process or my, you know, hopefully you're not making it worse, um, but you know, you know how much you're improving it, and it becomes iterative at that point because you have this benchmarks. You can actually come in and say, you know, hey, on day one I made these changes. Now my flow is, you know, improving by two x, and then I made additional changes. Now it's improving by three x, and you can actually monitor that over time. It shows you the different variants. Shows you those different benchmarks. So, the process mining capability that we have built into Power Automate, I think really helps organizations to get a handle on the ROI and the improvement that they're getting for the processes as they move
0: along. Great. You know, and, and as we think of just a general process, and we, we talked a little bit about some of the other RPA tools that, were, that are out there. You know, obviously, we, we love it. And I think that's one of the great selling points of Power Automate is a lot of people use Microsoft for almost everything. So, obviously, having one vendor and one solution top to bottom makes a lot of sense. But it seems, you know, a lot of people sometimes get stuck on what they were using in the past. So, what do you think is kind of preventing people from just jumping over to Power Automate right now from some of the other RPA? tools? So I think one of the
1: challenges is that, you know, switching tools can be, uh, you know, a a lot of effort sometimes. And that's where I am, you know, I'm very excited about some of the the things, you know, that we're doing, where we help people to facilitate migration um, onto, you know, whatever RPA platform they would like to move. Uh, Because, you know, at the end of the day, all of these platforms are you know about solving somewhat similar business needs the way that you do it of course with power automate we we like to think is much more modern much more cloud-centric but you can actually take an automation built with one rpa vendor and transform it to an automation that will run inside of power automate Um, but i think one of the barriers to doing that has been you know to a certain extent awareness right not a lot of people know you know, either A, that Power Automate has RPA capabilities. I still talk to people every day and they're like, oh, wow, that's great. Like, it's so exciting that you have this. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, we've we've had it for a couple of years now. So, you know, there there still is work that we got to do collectively to make people aware of all these awesome capabilities. But even once you know that Power Automate can do it, knowing how easy it can be to move between RPA vendors, I think is something that there also isn't very much uh, knowledge around in the in the industry. So, the more that we can do to talk about, you know, hey, you can you can actually transform from one to another, and in doing so, you get you get a lot of benefits. I think that that that'll help, you know, fix that that challenge that you mentioned.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree, and I I like what you had to say about awareness, and again, I think uh, that happens sometimes with Microsoft, where Microsoft, to me, is an engineer-led organization, and a lot of times this great development happens, and sometimes it takes a little bit, such a large company for the rest to speed up. So sometimes there's this idea out there, like I'll use just a different example, like I remember being in IT and someone suggested using Microsoft Teams, as your primary phone system. And and kind of the idea of it out there was like, what? Like, that doesn't even make any sense. Like just, you you know, this was kind of even before, you know, before COVID, the idea of just all getting rid of your traditional phones and having all VoIP was such a silly idea. But it it was then when you looked at it and you looked at the technical capabilities and how fast it evolved, it really was absolutely capable of doing it. It just took a little while for the collective idea of it to catch up to the capabilities. And it sounds like the same thing is happening right now in Power Automate. Mm
1: -hmm. And I would say the other, that's exactly right. And the other thing that's a little bit challenging is sometimes when people think about Power Automate, (laughs) we do such a good job of talking about citizen developers and how approachable that it is, that people think, oh, so that means it won't be able to do robust enterprise-wide you know, high volume, high complexity processes. And the interesting thing about the way we built the platform is yes, we've built it so that way it's approachable for those citizen developers to get started, but it still has all of the deep capabilities, all of the advanced capabilities that come from Soft Emotive, you know, from the, you know, the workflow pieces that we brought in with Microsoft Flow. Um, So all of that is still there, but we've built it in such a way that we kind of progressively disclose as you get deeper into the product, these more advanced capabilities, the more robust capabilities. So it's still possible for somebody to come in, build a very simple flow, but it's also possible for somebody to to build a massive process. Like here at Microsoft, for example, the revenue processing for every enterprise agreement we have actually runs through Power Automate. And when we initially talked to the the team, they had all of these people doing all these manual steps for processing and signing agreements where because ultimately that's how Microsoft gets paid is, you know, people come and they sign contracts with us. And there were tons of manual steps, people working with different systems, moving that data back and forth. And by bringing Power Automate in and automating this, it has saved, you know, over $15 million every single year um, of of Microsoft money by automating it. And previously, it was this massive Visio diagram. You could fill an entire wall with all the different stages and people that were involved in every step of that process. But that's the type of robust process that you can actually do with Power Automate. But we we talk a little bit more up front about these citizen developer things. So people don't realize, I think, as much that it actually can go all the way down to those most advanced, most robust processes that can be truly business critical, truly enterprise wide. So I think that's another area that, um, you know, we should, we should think more about.
0: You know, it must be tough for your marketing folks because I, I think, you know, with, with Microsoft, when you think that, anybody, everybody, you know, students, teachers, any specific job in the world could be a Microsoft customer. That sounds like a great thing, but it's almost a challenge because to me, when I think of Power Automate in this world, there's really two specific kind of unique use cases where there are those citizen development and those people that are kind of new to, that are very new to this concept of automation. and that And that's true, Microsoft and Power Automate can help them. But yeah, then there's this other side of these people that have been doing it for years that need a boost so and then those are two completely different messages two completely different ways of education two completely different data, data sheets you know everything that you're doing right it's completely different so it sounds like a a good problem to have but again i guess just getting that word out is challenging that like you can do both things you can do both things well
1: yeah that's that's exactly right and i think you know i like to think of it not as you know two completely different things but it's really more of a spectrum but you're absolutely yeah. right. Like the target market, the target buyer on each end of those is is ultimately different. So, um yeah, it's a it's a fun challenge to have though. I would much rather have that challenge than than only be able to address, you know, one of those needs.
0: Yeah, you know, and I've been on both worlds and you know, I've seen both things where yeah, the, the good challenges to have and then the challenges you don't like having. So, for sure, a, a good challenge is always a a good thing to have. So, you know, just you know, we, we can wrap up here in a minute, but I'm just I'm curious you know where where do you see you know what what are the next big changes that are coming to power? BI? I'm sure there's so many that it's hard to to name. But what's kind of the next thing that has you the most excited at the moment?
1: Yeah, so there's a couple things that we're working on right now. I'd say the three things that are that are most exciting to me. One is of course the work we're doing with AI. Uh, so bringing in all of the new uh, large language models and generative AI models to help people author to help people build flows. And as also was building blocks that can be used in an automation, right? So we think about one of the most common things that people automate with Power Automate today is just working with email, right? Working with email, working with Excel. Well, guess what? These generative AI models, they're actually fairly good at, you know, they can, you can pass it an email and it can draft a response for you to that email. So you can actually use that as a step. Or as a building block in in automation by using um, you know these AI models. So so that's one area where we're we're thinking about how do we kind of bring AI more into uh, automation. The second one is process mining, uh, which I talked a little bit about. So uh, we have a preview right now of the a desktop client that gives you really robust. Analytics and the ability to build custom reports and all types of things, deeply get your fingers into the process, understand the different variants and all the different aspects of processes. Uh, So that's in preview right now um, and will be made generally available soon. Um, And then the third one is in the RPA space you know one of the challenges that we've heard customers face is managing the infrastructure for their RPA so power automate as i mentioned it's cloud native so it, it, the orchestration the management all runs in the cloud but ultimately the bots they still have to run on a machine somewhere right so the bot that actually is going to open up sap and you know you know, pull data from SAP or work with a legacy application that still has to run, and that could be a physical machine on your desk or it could be a virtual machine. But customers today have to manage the infrastructure themselves. So what we we literally just announced this um this month is, uh, a hosted rpa offering where we will actually manage all of the infrastructure for the customer so they don't have to set up vms they don't have to you know worry about patching and maintenance and uptime and downtime what will happen is whenever the bot needs to run we will spin up that machine it under the covers of course it runs in azure because that's where we run all of our infrastructure. You don't have to worry about that though as a customer. You just say, this is what I want to run and then we'll run it for you. And when it's done, you know, we'll we'll turn that thing off so that way it's saving resources. Um, and we'll handle that full life cycle for the customer. Um, this will also help with the ability to develop new RPA because instead of having to set up a whole new machine as my RPA development environment, I can just use a machine that we are setting up and managing for you and you can, connect to that machine, build that RPA bot, save it, and then we'll run that full life cycle for you. So the idea of us as Microsoft kind of seamlessly handling all aspects of the infrastructure for the customer, that's where we're really going in RPA as well. So those are the three main things that I'm, I'm most excited about.
0: That's great. Yeah, those do sound really interesting and I was thinking, you know, as you were talking there with uh, your last point there about it being in Azure, do you just one last question? Do you think, you know, people, you know, with RPA, a lot of it was kind of on prem because people thought it was more secure. Do you think people are kind of getting over that now or that concept that, you know, the the public clouds are, aren't as secure as having it in your own structures? I being in IT, I just, it's way more secure in the cloud, right? Just, the, you know, the the physical structures way, you know, where things are way more secure and all the other rules. You know, you know sometimes when you have it on-prem, you know, there's people that have, you know, their water pipes are running right next door and they don't even know. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Yeah. I find that kind of a, an older thought, but yet a lot of people still seem to think that. So do you think we're getting to a point where people are getting past that as a security concern with the cloud? absolutely we definitely
1: are seeing more and more people realize the, the security benefits of the cloud as opposed to the security drawbacks sure. and there's also things we're doing as microsoft to make that easier so you know some of the things we're doing is you know you can connect the the cloud to your virtual network right so that way it's it's kind of peered directly on premises so that way you get that same network isolation that same network security uh but uh, we'll still handle that infrastructure and run it for you. And there's another thing we're working on um, where we would only even have access to the to the data um, when it's been approved by the customer. Even for a support case, for example, we would need explicit approval. So there's all of these checks and balances that we're putting in place. So to really kind of enhance that message that in fact the cloud is more secure than running something in a you know in a closet in your basement or whatever it may be for, for your own organization.
0: Yeah, I just could never go back after. It's the same thing like how I, I order, you know, when I order food, I usually use like skip the dishes or well, that's the Canadian version, you know, something like DoorDash. And it's, I can never really go back. I couldn't imagine having to pick up a phone and call somebody <laughs> yeah. and order food because I, I've experienced this easier method. It's the same thing with cloud. Like I just, why would I want to have it and worry about the upgrades and the updates and the physical security myself when I know a large company like Microsoft who thinks about all those things and have people dedicated to it, could do it. So yeah, so that's great. I think that's a must have, right? So I'm really glad to hear that that's coming. So that's great. Steven, this was fantastic talking to you. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I thought it was really
0: uh, fun. So, yeah, let's uh, find another time later to talk again. That'd be great. Happy to. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And please tune in to our next episode and subscribe. Thank you.